0: And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your host Ken and Trevor, your source for sports and all things in between. As always, you can find us on social media, on Twitter. Trevor is at the Bleacher Con one, and I am at the Bleacher Con 2. We also have our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. Always feel free to hit us up on either one of those and we'll get back to you.
1: And on this week's episode, we're gonna have a little bit of a hodgepodge of some of our favorite teams. We're gonna talk some Toronto Blue Jays, some Vancouver Canucks as they return to action after their COVID pause. Uh, I have to bring up a little bit of Sam Bennett, he's been traded to the Florida Panthers and uh, I've got some some things to say about Mr. Bennett and most importantly, we actually got some news out of the CFL this week on a potential return to play program, so Ken and I are going to discuss that one. We're going to get right into it today, Ken, and, and right off the top, our beloved league, the Canadian Football League, may actually have a plan to get back on the field Ken, what are your initial thoughts on the CFL's return to play?
0: Well, at first, I am glad that we have a date. We are looking at a summer start in August. Uh, so a lot, a lot later than what we're used to. Uh, 14 games. I think uh, it's better than nothing, obviously. It, it's kind of nice that we, we have something to look forward to. Some of the uncertainty, it isn't completely gone, but some of the uncertainty has gone away with now having some information. I know I was pretty pleased and pretty happy to see that. Uh, What what did you think about it?
1: I'm uh, very much wait and see. It was very nice of the league to actually acknowledge that there may or may not be a 2021 season. As we've discussed with some guests on our last few episodes, uh, John Hodge really brought up, you know, it's been silence from the league. It's been silence from Randy Ambrosio. So I guess it was nice to hear something, but did we actually hear anything? I don't know that we did. We knew the season was going to get pushed back, but outside of that, was this actually news? I don't know if it was or not.
0: I I think to a point, I think it it actually, it may have been done to quiet some of the critics of the crickets coming from the league. And, you know, we have, we have, August 5th as a start of the regular season, 14 game, 14 weeks, 14 games, sorry. And a gray cup on December 12th in Hamilton, Ontario.
1: Could be worse. Could be in Saskatchewan or Winnipeg.
0: It gets cold in Ontario. That, that could be three feet of snow on the field. That they're trying to play through. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it is Hamilton's turn. I don't say take it away from them, but that's going to be a cold game. That, that's going to be a big one. The one piece that is really the number one thing that the league needs for this to work is the approval of the public health officials across the country. Uh, They are still talking that this all is based on the fact that they have fans in the stands, a certain number of fans. And it sounds like the number across the league is roughly 5,000. I know that's what BC is trying to say that, that the numbers would give them. We have about five to 6,000 fans, but that's a big ask right now with the, the vaccine rollout starting to pick up, but if there isn't enough people fully vaccinated by that time, if you wanted to have a lot of people in the stands for that time, they needed to get vaccinated last week.
1: What really worries me about the whole plan, and you, you literally just hit on it, is it's contingent on the local health authorities and the government giving approval. Well, you and I live in a province where COVID is pretty much out of control right now and getting the government on board with anything to do with slowing this down has been uh, difficult at best. Ontario is out of control. Getting that government on board with getting this out of control is difficult at best. So we're relying on entities outside of the Canadian Football League to get the Canadian Football League back on the field. I don't have a lot of hope in this. I'm very, very concerned. And yes, people are getting vaccinated left, right and center. I know you just got yours this week, Uh, but if you don't get enough of them done, this isn't gonna happen. And even once you have enough people vaccinated, potentially healthy, the numbers have gone down, you still have to rely on the government to give you clearance. And we've seen in the past, the, the, the federal government isn't necessarily that keen on helping the Canadian Football League. Um, I think a lot more of that has to do with Randy Ambrosie and the owners. But again, we're relying on that entity to get our beloved league back on the field. I'm, I'm skeptical at best still.
0: Well, I mean, you, you look at what's going on in the States with the NHL right now. I would say the majority of the teams in the States all have fans in the building. There has not been a single fan in a Canadian arena this year. And I, and I agree, I don't think it's going to happen because the health officials are not looking at professional sports as a must for people to be at right now. You know, you talked about Ontario having a, a big numbers, Alberta here, BC is now going to point where you can't travel outside your health region so they're trying to get it because it's becoming so rampant and it's a big big stumbling block to this so we'll see how it goes you know you mentioned Ambrosi and the owners he takes a lot of heat and i'm not going to sit here and you know uh in vancouver they call them benning bros all the guys that uh stand up and and Ooh, that's harsh yeah well I'm they, that's what they call people who are in support of Jim Benning and, and I'm not saying and I'm an Ambrosy bro but everything he does he has bosses he has nine bosses and that's the owners so if the owners tell him we don't want details going out then the details aren't going to go out what I find really funny and somewhat aggravating it's just recently, Randy Ambrose, went back to the government to look for more money to look for, sorry, not more money, some money, because he didn't get any last year either. Uh, and John Hodge spoke about this last year. He went to the government to ask for a loan or a bailout or money to help the league run without fans. And he didn't open the books at all. He didn't give them numbers. He didn't give them anything to say, hey, this is what it costs to operate. This is what it costs for players. This is what we need, right? This is how we're going to spend the money. This is how much we lose. He didn't show any of that. And then within the last week or two here, he went and did the exact same thing this year with and expected a different outcome. Now, is that 100% Randy Ambrosy? Or are the owners saying, go ask for money, but don't you dare give any details of our financials?
1: I think you bring up a really good point there because I think they might be hiding their financials, obviously for reasons that would probably show the league, in my opinion, may not actually be in as much dire straits as some people are saying it is. I'm sorry, MLSC, Tannenbaum, they have billions of dollars. Calgary's sports and entertainment, they've got hundreds of millions of dollars. John Huffnagel was on the record in Calgary this week of saying the the Stampeders financial situation is very stable. You can't tell me the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I know there's local ownership there and, and kind of public ownership. You can't tell me that team doesn't have tons of money. You can't tell me the Edmonton Eskimos don't have sorry, Edmonton Football Club don't have tons of money. The BC Lions, maybe, maybe. They uh their fan sport hasn't been great, but I think the owners are are looking for an easier way out. Ambrosie the face of it. And they don't want to show some of the financials of the league because they might get told you don't need help. And I think that's quite possibly what is going on here. You know, if you get a chance to ask for free money, you're always going to ask for it, but we're kind of being held over the coals by the owners here of, well, you know, we're in a tough spot and we can't play unless we get this money, blah, blah, blah. We're broke. No, you're not like get over yourselves maybe think about the fans for once and let's get the product back on the field. And if you have to take a hit to do it, then do it. Because if you don't, you're going to lose your league.
0: Yeah. We've, we've talked about it uh, where if they, we both feel they don't play this season. The league is in danger, which would could lead to why they're talking to the XFL and Dwayne, the rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, Redbird capital as a way to fund the league going forward. And if that's what they have to do, that's what they have to do. You know, a lot of people look at Ambrose, and he has been the league's whipping boy over late, lately. Um, He is doing what the owners are asking. There's no way the owners would have him set up CFL 2.0 and go globally to look for players if that's not what the owners wanted. Because let's face it, if he's doing anything that's going to cost them money, they're going to get rid of him. Plain and simple. Like, it doesn't matter. He is there as their representative, just as Batman is for the NHL owners, right? He does what's in their best interest. And when it stops being in the owner's best interest, you get a new commissioner.
1: Yeah. I think another telling sign about the return to play plan is the CFL Players Association told their players, ah, don't do anything with your existing current jobs. If you have one, you might want to hold on to that to me, that's a very telling sign that even the CFL PA isn't convinced this is going to happen. And that's very worrisome for me. It's like, yeah, you might want to keep that warehouse job for the next six months because you may not have another source of income. Like that's, that's very telling to me and very, uh, again, I, I caution people who think the CFL is coming back. I don't go too, too, you know, jumping right in because it's very possible it's not. And and that, to me, was a very, very telling sign by the Players Association.
0: Until it's chiseled in stone and we have, as Kelly Bates said, cleats on the field, there, there, there's no point to get overly excited about it. It's good news. It did bring a smile to my face, and I, I thought it was me too a step in the right direction. And it, it, it's okay to be optimistic about it, but you also have to be realistic, and I agree. I'm not a hundred percent on the the season happening this year.
1: I'm not either. I'm actually, if you, if I were to have to put a a percentage on it, I'd say maybe 60% that it'll happen. That even might be high because there's a lot of ifs, ands or buts and needles that have to go in arms before that can happen. And then you have to convince the governments that it's still okay. And, and you know, we can put 10,000 people in our stadium. No problem. Like you still have to convince the government that this is a good idea. And that's to me, that is where it's going to go off the rails. If anything,
0: not just put 10,000 people in the stands, but 10,000 people that are fully vaccinated. So how, how are you going to navigate that world to say, Hey, you know what? Sorry, you aren't. So you can't go to the game. How, how do you, you know, get to the box office and say, show me your, you know, your vaccine card to say that you're good and done before you can get in there. It's going to be a, a really difficult uh, road to travel because you're not going to want to push away your fans. They're not going to want to uh, limit who they can and can come in because, right, it, it's money to them. It's, it's dollar signs. You know, even still right now, it's still beyond difficult. The, the league should be right now to keep it fresh in their mind. The league should be having merchandise in all the stores so that people are still seeing the CFL. They still have an opportunity to support the league. I recently went into, you know, at West Edmonton mall, probably two or three different sports stores trying to see what they had for CFL gear. Obviously I'm looking for BC lions. They didn't have anything, now, obviously, with Edmonton here, they don't have a new team name, so they're not going to be pumping out a lot of gear other than maybe the double E hats or something like that. But you don't have even any Calgary Stampeders, Rough Riders, BC Lions. You have nothing in these stores. So as a fan, how can you support the league? Oh, well, you go to each individual uh team site and you can buy off there. Oh, but then you're going to pay a huge amount of shipping on it. You know, off air, I asked uh, John Hodge about it after when we were done. And, you know, because I feel that the merchandising for this league is a hundred percent broken. If you want to talk about a broken business model, it's how the league merchandises itself. Right right now, I couldn't get a, a BC Lions player jersey if I wanted to. They're all sold out and they're not restocking them. And at the, at the other side of it, too, is it's over $200 for a jersey with two digits on the BC Lions site. It's even more on a different team site if you want to go there because there is no standard pricing. If the CFL wanted to bring people in right now, this is where you got to drop your jersey prices, like actual replica game-type stitched jerseys, to no more than 150 bucks, because I can go and get an NFL jersey for 150 bucks that looks like it's worn by the players on game day. So why you wonder why the Canadian fans are wearing more NFL gear than CFLs? Because you can walk into any store and get whatever you want. This is where I will say the business model of the CFL is broken.
1: I more than broken. To me, it's an epic fail. Right now, one of the few real opportunities for uh, getting you know cash influx into the league is through merchandise, and you just said it. It is not available or it is severely overpriced, you know, the local stores in the Calgary area, very similar. It's, you know, you can get your, you can get the stuff that was hanging on the shelves last season, but as far as anything new, there's, there's really not a whole lot coming out. You know, you can go to the stamp store and get something, but it's, it's not easy. They, the CFL has made it themselves difficult to do business with in, in the world of today's world. We all shop online. It's the convenience factor and you have to make yourself easy to do business with. And as of right now, they're not. And why would anybody, you know, why would I drive 45 minutes to McMahon stadium for where I live to go buy a Jersey when I want to be able to do it off my phone at home, get it delivered to my house, but also pay a reasonable price for it. And right now it's, it's tough or even a hat or a sweater that the selection is limited too. So I'm with you on that one. I think it's a colossal failure by the league and that's not just COVID related. It's been like that for a while, years, years, you know, let the people buy the merchandise at a reasonable price and let them people wearing a Jersey or a hat is advertising for your league 24 seven, but they've made it difficult.
0: Well, let's look at it this way. Who's one of the CFL's big sponsors? Sportcheck, right? They're, they're a CFL sponsor, yet they have very little to nothing, even limited, during a season. If, if I'm the CFL and I, I'm going into this partnership with Sportcheck, I'm saying I want a corner of your store in your Jersey area where I can put all nine teams' gear and good gear like you now have new era as your jersey uniform supplier clothing hat all that kind of stuff i want a corner of your store i want to put everything in there so that all fans can get it because the cfl is the canadian gaming canadians are spread out it's yes, not the canadian
1: game put yeah. everybody's jerseys not just the local team i 100 percent agree with you on that
0: yeah and and make it like i said the affordability part of it is huge have you gone to the New Era website looking for anything for the CFL?
1: Can't say that I have, to be honest.
0: Save your time. Like This is how bad it is. New Era makes the uniforms now, and you can't even go there to get it. It's great they want each team to manage and control and earn off their merchandise, but it is not accessible. One stop shop is what it should be. So have CFLshop.com be all the teams, all there, and then just Give the teams the profit. It doesn't have to be difficult. Make it easy. Yeah. Because why would you want to, oh, I've got to shop for a BC Lions fan at Christmas, a Stamps fan, a, you know, Riders fan, Alouette's fan. Oh, but i got to go to four different places, pay four different prices, and have four different packages show up to my house. And pay shipping four times. Exactly. Like, it's just ridiculous. And this is where the league fails. Yeah. So... If they can start to get some of this stuff fixed, then I think the league would be more profitable and you wouldn't have people saying everything about the league is broken.
1: Well, we'd love to hear from you guys. What do you think of the news that came out with the return to play? you know, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at TheBleacherCon1. Ken is at BleacherCon 2 And hit us up on Facebook, The Bleacher Connection. Well, Ken, moving into the second segment of our show, we're roughly about three, four weeks into the new Major League Baseball season. And the Blue Jays are, as of this morning, I believe nine and ten, give or take. What do you think of the Jays so far? I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm disappointed. I'd love to get your take on the team.
0: Well, from what I've been able to see, and it's been limited because I, I got I don't understand the league's focus on so many weekday 1 p.m. starts, which means it's 11 a.m. for us, 10 a.m. out out in the Pacific. There's been a lot of those days. I haven't seen a lot of the games. What I have, it's been status quo for the past number of years. Uh, errors after errors and lack of hitting. The it's And injuries. We've got guys, you know, Springer might be back this week, maybe by Tuesday. Fingers we don't crossed. know. Yeah, like I think they said this is a guy we're paying $5 million a month to, and he's already made that and hasn't taken it at bat yet. So it's frustrating. I, obviously, I mean, that's not Springer's fault. I'm not putting anything on him. That's not meant to come out that way, but I don't know. It's the same, same stuff. I am surprised. I was, I've noticed our pitchers have gone out of the sixth inning uh, a few times or for our starters. So that was definitely a surprise I enjoyed, but I don't know. It's, it's been really rough watching the same poor defense that we've had over the last few years and no changes. Like you got, that's what spring training in the offseason is for to is to sure that up and, and make those plays. Kevin Biggio at third is not working out right now.
1: Well, I'm about to go off on him. So we'll just yeah. save that.
0: <laughs> but overall, like we have the, the no one on that team can hit, right? Like Vladdy's doing a good job. We've got a few guys that have decent batting averages, but I think, what did you tell me that one time? Five of nine were batting under 200.
1: There was a game roughly a week ago where five of the starting, five of the players in the starting nine were hitting under 200. That is, I don't I even know how that's possible. You had essentially three guys at the time hitting 400 and, and five guys hitting less than 200. I don't know about you, that's not a very well-balanced lineup to me
0: was balanced just the wrong way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I guess it is. It was very balanced. It was balanced um, on the wrong end. Overall, the Jays, the Blue Jays have a 228 team batting average, which puts them right in the middle of the pack in, in the American League, which I'm actually surprised that's in the middle of the pack. 228, that is for a team that's supposed to be an offensive juggernaut, that's just astoundingly bad. They rank tenth in, in the American League in runs. Like I think they've got roughly eighty two runs this year. You know they're they're doing okay in home runs, of course, fifth. Well, they're all solo shots apparently, which, again, is a, a a testament to the low batting average. For me, I'm very very disappointed with with the the offense so far. Now I understand, Teoscar Hernandez has been out. George Springer's yet to play. I understand that. Randall Gritchick, who's pretty much playing in one of those two guys' spots, is actually playing quite well and hitting above 300. You got Vladdy hitting 350, you know, tearing the cover off the ball. You've got some guys who are hitting, but uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm not going to lie, I'm very disappointed in the offense.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I used to play – play baseball i was a catcher so i'm going to kind of go off and my disappointment is behind the plate our starting catcher danny jansen is batting 053.053 053. Like, he has two hits and 38 at bats like we cannot continue to accept i can't even say subpar performances at these positions because that is just horrendous this is, you know, everyone made such a big deal last week about the Yankees being last in the American League. The Jays had one more victory than them, and everyone is like, oh, status quo, we're on the upswing with these young guys. No, we're not. We are not on the upswing with these young guys because they're not getting any better. You know, Vladdy, I'll take that away. So far, Vladdy has gotten better at first base, and he's making some nice plays, and he's keeping Bigio and Bichette from looking worse because he is stopping the ball. He's making digs. He's getting it. He, he's at least keeping it in front of them when they bounce it three feet in front of them, you know, and he's supposed to be the unknown in that position, but he's the one that's looked the most solid. He
1: has, he's looked the best on the infield. I saw a stat earlier this week that I almost shook my head at, and that was throws from the left side of the diamond. to so the shortstop and the second baseman, we're only third. getting to Vlad, or sorry, third baseman, not second baseman. We're only getting to first base in the air roughly 40% of the time, which means 60% of the balls are being a one hop to them. Like that, that is just, uh, that is astoundingly bad. And that's I not just, even I don't 40%. Even know how, that's not I don't even, even 40... know how that's possible.
0: Yeah, that's not even 40% on target. That's just in the air. Yeah, exactly. Air mailed above them to the left, right. Vladdy's getting his work. It's a good thing he, got himself in better shape in the offseason Cause he's getting to work out every game.
1: Here's, I guess one of the bright spots, you know, we just, we brought up Vladdy. I think he's been a tremendous bright spot so far on the team. Here's another one for me. The ERA, the Jays are number one in the American league in team ERA. That is unbelievable. In my opinion, that's with Tanner Rourke. <laughs> who's been, and even Ross Stripling, who's um, been less than stellar uh, so far in the year, but the pitching has not been the issue. The bullpen is almost unhittable on some nights. So I I guess that's a bright spot that we weren't expecting. And if that continues, you got to believe the offense at some point is going to turn it around. If it does, and they continue to get good pitching, I guess you can kind of have a, a rosy outlook on this, but I'm with you, you know, through roughly 30 games, same old, same old, same, same crap, or 20 games, sorry, same crap, same errors, same mental mistakes, you know, the can't hit with runners in scoring position. It's, I, I'm not as as rosy and optimistic as I'd like to be about this team. Maybe George Springer brings it all together and his professionalism, at the top of that lineup and his ability to get on base will, will benefit the rest of the lineup. So we shall see.
0: Yeah. I I'm looking at the lineup here right now and it's time the Jays. And I don't know if this is a money issue again. I, I don't know, but it, it's time to potentially cut bait on some of these guys who maybe aren't bigler big leaguers or send them back down to the minors. Um, I'm just looking at it. You know, like I said, Danny Jansen's 053. Uh, Alejandro Kirk is 188. Rowdy Tellez, he he's not hitting that well either.
1: 193.
0: Yeah, when is it time? Jonathan Davis, 091. None of this is really new. Other than being a speed demon, I don't know what Jonathan Davis brings to the team because it's not his bat it's time to either open the purse strings and spend some money on some other big leaguers like maybe not as much as George Springer maybe don't you know keep doing that. But let's go out and get some guys that are proven so that these young guys aren't shouldering everything for the team. It's a lot of pressure and they're all just coming into their what third season in the bigs. This is the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'm going to hate to say it. The Toronto Blue Jays are the Edmonton Oilers of Major League Baseball. Here's our young guys. We're not going to surround you with much, but go win a championship. It's on you now. All right? It, it just, it's got to end. We need some actual real bona fide big leaguers in there to make a difference in this lineup.
1: Yeah, this is where I, I'm going to kind of agree with you on this. Somewhat. Mark, they brought in Marcus Simeon to take off the load from Bichette and Biggio a little bit, and he's coming in, he's hitting 213. Like his, his, his defense at least is uh, consistent. I'll give that. But to me, Kevin Biggio is what is wrong with the Toronto Blue Jays. You've got a guy who is completely heralded as being an absolute superstar and I, I somebody, I'm going to blame Toronto Media on this one. They said, Biggio, Bichette, and, and Guerrero are the next big thing. And it's these three are going to lead us to the promised land. Well, you put these unrealistic expectations on them right off the bat. And Kevin Biggio is the epitome of what's wrong with the Blue Jays. Terrible in the field. They haven't found a, a permanent spot for him. He's been to second, he's been to third. He's in right field today in Tampa, you know, sending a message of, well, your infield defense isn't good enough. Maybe you can play outfield. They're moving him all over the place. He's an error machine. He's a throwing error machine. Uh, At the plate, this is where I am at my wit's end with this guy. At least in seasons past, he was drawing walks. He was getting on base at almost a 350 to 400 clip. His on base is 288 right now, not drawing walks. He's hitting 175. He's striking out a ton. He's second on the third on the team in strikeouts. He's not putting the ball in play. He's not walking. I'm sorry, and I'm gonna say it, Kevin Biggio is not a big league player, so get him off of our big league roster. He's doing more harm than good. Let him go and tear it up in triple A, double A, single A, I don't know, whatever it takes let him go tear the cover off the baseball and rebuild some confidence. Cause I'm telling you, he doesn't have it right now. And you know who's second on that list that they might have to send back down. Lourdes Gurriel jr. The guy's hitting 183. He has no home runs this year. Like this guy was tearing the cover off the ball last year. Another guy who's just an epitome of what is wrong with this team. Biggio Gurriel jr. I'm sorry. They're not cutting it. I still think they can, but why are these guys getting major league at-bats right now? You want to contend this year? These guys aren't going to let you contend.
0: So to, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to start with the Marcus Simeon point. And I, I agree. He's not coming in and doing, I think, what some people expected him to do. But a lot of people questioned was that that year where he really broke out and had that great year. Was that his actual player or was that an anomaly in his career? I mean, he's, like I say, he, he's not doing horribly but he's not doing, I think, what everyone expected him to do, which is what he did in Oakland over the last couple of years. So we'll see what happens. He's seeing different pitchers and a different, you know, system coming in. Maybe it's that first little bit jitters. He's on a one-year deal. So if it doesn't work out, he he goes at the end of the year. If he can turn it around, he sticks.
1: It was very low risk bringing him in. It is. I don't have an issue with that at all.
0: No, and I, I I didn't. I still don't. I still liked it at the time. Still do. I, I'm going to take the Kevin Biggio one, and it is it is on him to work on everything. And same with Guriel Jr. But I'm going to take it one step, and I'm going to say it's on the team as well. Kevin Biggio will never get better at a position if he's playing nine, yep. eight. We haven't seen him pitch yet, but I'm sure we'll see a game where it's out of control and he has to go in. Kevin Biggio is never going to get better in the field if he's doesn't know what position he needs to work on, what angles he needs to work on. He's not going to get done, any better.
1: It's done wonders for Vlad this year knowing I'm only playing first base.
0: Yeah. But I've been I'm going to take this so it's on the team. And I'm going to go and I'm going to say it's on Charlie Montoya. Because he is an analytics guy. How many times was Fisher in the lineup because he had a feeling he's going to hit a home run today? You can't playoff feelings all the time you have to look at what they're actually doing and he is such he is a kevin cash guy who's in tampa bay they're all about analytics like oh against this guy he should do this well his last seven outings against that guy says he isn't so stop thinking it's gonna happen actually put guys in the lineup that are gonna do something and if they don't take them out because it's getting old like they keep saying this team's a playoff this a playoff team. This is the time frame where the GM and President Atkins and I lost my Shapiro. Shapiro, thank you. Train of thought. Um, have said that the Blue Jays, our team, would be a playoff team this time. Right now, we are not anywhere close to being in the playoffs. Last year was COVID-related. In 162 games, the Blue Jays are not in the playoffs. Yeah, at that. all, not even close. So. They got to figure it out and it's on the team. The team needs to make some moves and whatever that is, they need to do it and make the tough decisions.
1: Yeah. As, as long as they play double AA, a triple a caliber players and defense, you're never ever going to like this team will never do anything. The the Tampa Bay Rays are a good example of how you can be successful doing the little things properly. They play defense the best of anybody. They pitch as good as anybody they hit with runners in scoring position they manufacture runs they do so many of the little things so well that they scrape out wins against the best teams because they score that run when they need to because they can manufacture a run they get that big hit when they need to because they've got guys who are trained to be big league hitters in their lineup They get the out when they need to, because they have a bullpen built on a bunch of guys with funky deliveries and who throw smoke. And like they, they create this team with a specific focus in mind and they follow through on it. They play money ball better than anybody. They may even do it better than the original Oakland A's played money ball. These guys are so good. And Kevin Cash, and I know he got roasted in the world series, Kevin Cash actually does it properly where he goes, this guy's going to have success. So instead of hitting him number eight in the lineup, I'm going to hit him number two because traditionally he has good success. We're trying, the blue Jays are trying to do that. It's not working.
0: Tampa's doing it with a big league caliber roster. Yes. And that's not superstars. Those are guys that they've developed and are doing big league things. Right. Let's be honest. uh Bichette, and uh, Guerrero Jr. were all hyped when they were in New Hampshire in double a ball these are our saviors within two years well you've just put a time frame on it whether they were ready or not you just told everyone it's in two years that these guys were going to be their big league saviors you bring them up you force it it doesn't work how many people were ragging on uh, Guerrero Jr. when he first came up because he wasn't hitting 900 home runs in his rookie year right and Bichette and Biggio both kind of got off hot on the start. So it, it, it takes time. We hear so many times about top prospects in baseball. How many of them actually play a game sometimes? Yeah. Right? Like It just doesn't happen automatically. So
1: in my opinion, there's there's just not enough Johnny Ball players on the Toronto Blue Jays who just, they don't do anything extremely well, but they do everything quite well. There's just not enough of those guys on this team. You know, that speed demon who's going to steal you 40 bases, that guy, you know, those three guys in your lineup who aren't going to hit 220, they're going to hit 270. The guy who has a gold glove at shortstop or in right field, the guy who has a ridiculous arm and is going to gun guys down at the plate. Like, good teams have a bunch of Johnny Ball players. And that just seems to me, and it's always been the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, real lack. Josh Donaldson, to my, in my opinion, was one of the last real good Johnny Ball players we had. The guy could just do everything. And he was a superstar, so he was a little bit above that class, but he just could do everything and had the determination. The current version of this team, in my opinion, doesn't quite have enough of those guys. And I hope they find them, and they very well may be in the organization. But when Randall Gritchuk is probably your best Johnny Ball player, I don't know that that's concerning for me.
0: And, and he was kind of written out of, well, we'll find a spot for him. Exactly. And because of injuries, he's in there and showing, okay, he is doing what you want guys to do. He's like, okay, I'm going into the season on the outside, looking in, I'm going to be a bench player. I'm going to be getting in where I can to give guys rest. Oh, I've got my opportunity. Here we go. We don't have guys behind some of these others, pushing them to do better. Like you talked about you wanting guys that hit 270, I'd rather have, you know, half this lineup hitting 225 right now, based on what they're actually doing. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Like 225 would be is a pipe dream for some of these guys right now.
1: Yeah, it's I've, it's been a disappointing start to the season all around. The good news is, is they're hovering right around 500. You know, the the Red Sox are playing uh, some very good baseball, which I'm not going to lie, I'm a little little surprised with. Uh, I said it earlier on in an episode, I said, I, I, the Red Sox would be better, but you know, that eight or nine game winning streak they had, I, I think they're overachieving. So the good news is, is they're not that far out. The bad news is, is they're also not that far from the bottom and yeah. there's a lot of, you know, discouraging things. Uh, let us know what you guys think of the start to the Toronto Blue Jays season. Are, are you as down on them as we potentially are, or do you see a light at the end of the tunnel? You know, Ken is at the Bleacher Con one. I'm at the BleacherCon 2. Yeah,
0: close. Other way around. Oh, right. Hey, hang on. Sorry,
1: <laughs> I'm at the Con 1. Ken's at the Con 2.
0: All uh, angry tweets go to at the BleacherCon 1. Uh, all the love goes to at the BleacherCon <laughs> 2. Uh, I will it's, say that the one thing that the Boston Red Sox have done poorly this year is those city uniforms. I don't know where the bright yellow and light blue kind of come from, but okay. Um, you like them? No. <laughs> okay, good. I was just going to oh. say,
1: those are horrific.
0: No, I said what they've done badly. Oh, I th- okay. Sorry, I yeah. missed that. Yeah, no, those are not good at all.
1: Well, Ken, earlier this week, your Vancouver Canucks got back on the ice. It was a very tough, pretty much almost an entire month off. And they went through some very trying circumstances with COVID-19. There were some very you know, players, coaches. They're back on the ice. Ken, have they met your expectations exceeded your expectations or been below your expectations since coming back?
0: Well, since my expectations were, I didn't think they probably should come back. I'd say they've definitely exceeded them. Uh, they've now played four games and they're three and one. And two of those wins came across uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the first one was Sunday night and it, it was an ugly win. I'm not going to you know sugarcoat it. It was ugly. These guys have been off for almost a month. Um, they lost
1: these two points.
0: Yeah, it was Brayden who won that game. And it was funny because when we talked to Dan Riccio that morning, uh, when they played that first game, you know, he kind of said Holpe hadn't played very well, and Holpey wasn't, you know, he was the same Holpe in Washington that uh, which is why he's out of there. But he played great, like he stood on his head for that game, and that the one save where he kind of went for the the poke check puck went up in the air and he did the whole, you know, windmill with the pads in the air and kicked it out. That was, you know, dumb luck. Yeah. It was Braden Hasek for almost a second. You know, <laughs> he was channeling his inner Dominic Hasek there. It was a great save and I was really happy for the guys because they came out and they won that game and it, you could just see what it meant to them and how excited they were, how, how happy it made them to be. And then they came out two nights later and, and beat them six, three. It was like With a little wow. help
1: from uh, our friend, David Riddick.
0: Hey, Hey, I, I don't Toronto knew what they were getting. I, I you know, I well, no,
1: you know, what? I actually think they don't know what they were getting. They should have. Um, I know there's a lot of love for David Riddick on Calgary flames, Twitter. Uh, I've never been one of the, the guys that really had that. Like I, David Riddick human being absolutely phenomenal guy. Love the story. The brother, all that stuff it, it is amazing. David Riddick, the hockey player. There's a reason Calgary has always been looking for another goalie, but it was, that could potentially be in the next segment when we talk a little bit about the flames. I think the Canucks definitely benefited from uh, some subpar goaltending. I I got to
0: face. Yeah. I will say on one of the goals, I forget who, who scored it. But they took the shot from the sideboards and it went off Riddick's pad and in the net. And John Garrett couldn't hold back his laughter. I, I, I it was pretty funny. He just kind of, he's the next goalie. He played for the Canucks. He wasn't great. He was, I think they joked that his uh, save percentage was six forty nine. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was. But they, they came out and they played again. Yep. And uh, they, they went and played Ottawa two nights later. And and for the first time this season. Uh, we did what the Calgary Flames do regularly against the Sens and lost. Uh, but it, it was a game where they did look tired. It, it did, I think it kind of maybe caught up with them. Uh, but, but to to give the Sens credit, they have been playing better hockey of late. They well, are they not... played great
1: hockey in uh eight games this season.
0: Well, to be fair, I did watch you know some of the games against Calgary, so it, it did look uh like good hockey at that time for the Sens, but. No, like the Sens are not the Sens from the beginning of the season where the Canucks beat them like 16, 17 to three or whatever it was in that time. They're not the same Senators. And, but the Canucks took took the loss and they came back last night and um, put out a, another gritty win. Like I don't, I'm still not holding, you know, thoughts that the Canucks are going to make the playoffs and make a big run, but they're not going away. I think the team is using this as a, you know, a lot of people and not writing them off because they weren't playing well but aren't saying they're going to do much because of the health issues I think they might be using that as a uh we're going to go out and do what we can to win Bo Horvat said we're playing to win uh Thomas Drance or The Athletic asked Travis Green about using this you know the remaining games to play some young guys to see what you have and Green took offense to it and kind of shot back with well no we're playing to win he goes your question Kanye kind of insinuates that we're we're giving up and that's not what we're doing. If the young guys can come in and help us win. And I'm paraphrasing all this, by the way, you know, don't take it as a direct quote, but he said, if we can bring these young guys in, they're going to help us win and they'll play, but we're not giving up. So the the team's coming out to do what they can. And that's great. I'm not about team tank. I hate it. I hate 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 team tank. These guys have pride. They're not going out for these games to, well, let's get a high draft pick. No, they want to win. This is their job. This is their livelihood. This is what they work their asses off for 365 days a year to be the best at the game they play. So I'm not down for Team Tank. Uh, They still have a really tough schedule coming up. They got two more against Ottawa and two more against Toronto. But, hey, if we win one of those against Toronto, we have a winning record against both Ontario teams, and there's not many teams that can – say they have that in the North division this year. So uh, I gotta say that the Canucks right now are exceeding my expectations coming out of this this break. Um, well, what's your thoughts on their first four games?
1: Well, before I uh, give my thoughts on that, I'm gonna take off my Calgary Flames hat and put on my NHL hat. NHL wise, it's a great story. The Canucks coming back, winning three or four games. I think they were very fortunate to win a couple of those games that they did win. Uh, I actually think they probably should have lost both games to the Oilers or not the Oilers, the Maple Leafs. Uh, It's a great story. You know, uh, on a league perspective though, it kind of sends a bad message where it's like, well, you know, look at the Canucks, they were able to get past COVID and there's nothing wrong here. Nothing to see here, folks. On that side of things, I'm a a little uh, like, well, the NHL got off easy here. It is a great story and good on the Canucks. I'll give them, props for coming out winning three or four now i got to put my Calgary flames hat back on the canucks winning three or four coming out is absolute garbage i am so just dis- like it's a great story they're getting lucky they won two games they shouldn't have they're they're kicking around in a playoff race that they shouldn't be they they should have been buried a long time ago but unfortunately the montreal canadians and Calgary flames have uh done them a huge solid in the month that they didn't play and they didn't put 15 points between them. And I hate to say it, Canuck nation, the wheels are going to fall off. The schedule is going to catch up to you guys. You're going to play roughly 10 games and 17 nights to end the season. That is crazy. The, the wheels are going to fall off. You guys are going to be playing tired hockey. It sounds like Elias Pedersen isn't coming back this season. This can't continue. If it does good on them. I'll put my NHL hat back on the Vancouver Canucks might be the best story coming out of the league this year, put my Calgary flames hat back on God. I hope they fail and they're going to, I just don't see a way that they can sustain this with that many games in such a short period of time. And am I happy that my Calgary flames get to play them four times in that final week when they're going through the schedule of hell, you betcha. Cause if we can hang on in that playoff race, we very well might just actually make the playoffs because of this. So great story. I don't see it lasting.
0: Uh, you're just like, luck- you're just glad you don't have to play the senators anymore. Uh, one more time to lose to them. Oh, one more, one more. Wow. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. I don't, and again, like it's, it's going to get tougher for them. Uh, they play, was it Monday, Wednesday against the senators? And then they're back at it Thursday against the Leafs. So, and then it's Friday or Saturday, Sunday after that, like you're going to get into the back-to-backs now and it is going to get tougher. Uh, You know, Demko didn't look like he was ready to play yet against the senators. He still looked tired. Hopefully this little bit of break where Holtby has kind of taken the wheel and held things steady will give him some more time to come back and get rested and be ready to go. Again, I'm not holding out hope that the Canucks are going to go on a big run and uh, win the Stanley Cup. Would it be absolutely amazing the Canucks finish fourth, face the Leafs, and knock them out in the first round? Hell yeah. Um, Even I might
1: be cheering for the Canucks in that series.
0: <laughs> I mean, if, if you want an easy first round, you go up against the Leafs. Um just ask Boston and everyone else they faced over the last six years. Um, No, like I'm not holding out hope. It's not going to get any easier and it's going to get tougher for them. But I like that. They're not coming out, rolling over and saying we're done. Like they, they've got a chip on their shoulder for whatever, like uh, manufactured, if they're doing a, you know, Michael Jordan last dance manufacturing a chip on the shoulder, then, then great. If they can use it and run with it. So be it. But yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not team tank and I'm not, you know, trying to help organize a Stanley cup parade on Twitter with the, that part of Canucks nation. So no, I,
1: I would say is, and you're talking about the potentially making the playoffs. And I think this holds very true for the Calgary flames as well. If either of our teams do actually make the playoffs, they're going in on a heater and they're going in playing good hockey and they might be going in facing an opponent who hasn't played a meaningful game in one to two weeks, because it yep. very well looks like the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to finish first in the division. I think they're eight points up on Winnipeg now. Toronto's not going to have played a meaningful game in weeks. And if we sneak in either of our teams, the Canucks or the Flames, they could do some damage against that Leafs team because they're going to be they're going to be tested and they're going to be hardened. And you know, the, the Maple Leafs just might very well be there for the pickens. The Montreal Canadiens apparently look like they're going to stumble down, and if they do, you know, make it in, it's because they're going to have tripped and fell and accidentally done a somersault over the finishing line. They're like they're, they're playing just horrendous hockey and have been for a couple of weeks. Well,
0: let's face it; they're in the playoff picture because of those nine overtime losses. No, um, I don't think there's a team in the league that has has anywhere near that many right now. That's in the, the Calgary
1: Flames have more wins than the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. as bad as you know it has been in Calgary this year there's only one reason Montreal's there. And they're very much looking like the team that you and I predicted to finish sixth and seventh in the division than the team that some of the sports analysts called a juggernaut two weeks into the season. But I don't know if we happen to make it either of us Toronto better watch out. I think they Toronto is like fingers crossed that Montreal makes it because well, they they're better, not playing good hockey.
0: They better fingers crossed they get Freddie Anderson back because they don't have the goaltending. This is why I picked them to finish fifth because if a goaltending injury came up, they were hurting. And you know, yeah, Jack Campbell has gone went eleven and zero to start from last year and this year, but he hasn't. He won a game I think last night, but that was the first time since he's lost like four in a row before or five in a row after that eight and zero start this year. So David Riddick is not the answer. Sorry, oh. Calgary Twitter that still loves him, but he's not. Um, so that's why I picked him to finish fifth because this was a possibility. If this happened at the beginning of the year. I would have been possibly right, but it didn't. So
1: yeah, very well. Yeah. One thing. I think they have, they have a ton of uh, skill up front and their D's actually played a lot better than I expected them to. And I'm going to, I'll eat crow a little bit on TJ Brody. He has actually been really good there. I'm not going to lie. I'm shocked by this, uh, this result. I thought he was going to be just like the whipping boy there. And early on, it looked like he was going to be, but, props to TJ Brody he's he's added a stability on that back end that Toronto hasn't seen and, and but again the goaltending, I don't know if it's good enough and we shall see I think they they could be right for the pickings on a first round upset
0: so one thing we go before we go on to the flames talk I wanted to talk about it with the Canucks week here uh, at the beginning of the week this, uh, this is a funny one the there's two factions on Canuck Twitter. There are the Benning bros who defend him. And then there's the hashtag fire Benning group who absolutely roast him on everything he does. Well, the fire Benning group went out and go funded a uh, go me a hashtag fire Benning banner to be flown over the city of Vancouver this week. And it got a little, a little ridiculous. Like they started off with like, well, we need this much money to do it. Anything extra, we'll donate it to one of the Canucks charities. Well, and then the Benning, you know, positive side got involved in like, well, we'll just raise money for this Canuck charity then. So it kind of became a, you know, us against them. But did you really need the banner? Like, I know you can't be in crowd to fire, you know, chant fire Benning like they did with Mike Gillis, things like that. But it kind of got like they use the charities almost as a, you know, if you don't support this, you're not supporting a charity. Uh, I mean, people are free to do whatever they want. I thought it was somewhat comical, but it's some of it. It's so extreme. It's not like just a, Hey, I don't like Benning. It's extreme. Like the guy could save a puppy in a pond and he, they'd still be calling for his head on a silver platter to be fired. Again, the only person that's going to fire him is Francesco Aquilini. And if he thinks he's doing a job, then fine. He's going to be there. I think the one thing that came up out of this whole COVID situation was, was last Saturday, Elliot Freeman said a lot of the players weren't happy with the management and how things were handled. Now it was very vague. It didn't, you know, give a lot of details or who was upset and exactly why. But if your players are upset that management either didn't seem to be out in front with your best interest there. The only kind of the only way to really maybe appease some of your top players is you don't bring the GM back and he that is a possibility.
1: What I don't like about that story and you you actually brought it to my attention a couple of days ago is as fans and I'm guilty of this too and I'm sure you are, we forget that these guys are human beings. Like how would you feel Ken if I started a fire coming, you know, Hashtag on Twitter. Like people see this stuff. It, it, these are human beings. You're, you're saying this guy sucks. He should lose his job. Well, do you ever think of the ramifications of those things? Like these are fire Francis, fire Ward. Like this has to stop. It, it's these guys have families. These guys have you know personal lives. Like they, they have to support themselves and you're going fire them, fire them. It's terrible. Like I hate When I see those hashtags floating around on Twitter, we've seen it numerous times in Calgary Flames Twitter with with Jeff Ward and and Eric Francis. We're seeing it in Vancouver with green and, and Benning. And you saw it and you see it in Ottawa with Melnick, you see it like, these are human beings, people. Can we be better than that? You can voice your displeasure, but you don't have to try to get these hashtags trending fire Benning. Like, they see this stuff and it wears on them. I, I hate it. It's not good enough.
0: Yeah. And then they, you know, people wonder why these guys are so kind of sometimes crusty towards fans and, and things like that. It's like, well, cause you're calling for their job. You're right. Like these, to the people that are doing this, they don't care because it's all about them. It's what they want. Right. Like, yeah, you might have a vocal 1500 following on that, that, you know, thought, but it doesn't mean that's everyone else like you get some of these guys are going as far as finding out who these who people are and and going to their jobs and reporting them for things that aren't real they're they're trying to cause them problems in their real life is what's the point of that what like what do you gain from going out and trying now to not just get a General manager of a professional sports team fired, but some fan now you're going after their personal life and trying to get them in trouble. Yeah. right. It, it, it's just ridiculous the amount of back and forth and garbage that it goes on with it.
1: Well, and attacking family members like searching out Benning's family members and attacking that like it, this isn't good enough. And it just, I social media is a, a very dark place. And actually, recently on Calgary Flames Twitter, because I am on it, we've had some, let's call it well-known people just up and leave Twitter because they're just like, this This isn't for me. Like I, I can't handle the negativity and you know what? Good on them. Get away from it for a while because it's, it's not good. It really isn't good. And i I there's days where I've been like, you know what? I might get out of here too for a little while. Cause I just, it's so toxic. It, it really, really is. And can we be better than this people please?
0: Yeah. Sports are there for entertainment reasons. doesn't mean you have to like everything that goes on with it. And if you don't like the team, if you – so take the NHL. If you don't like the team, if you don't like the direction that it's going in, you don't like the ownership, you don't like the general manager, well, guess what? You got 31 other options. You know, pull LeBron James and take your talents elsewhere. (laughs) Well, we're going to move on to some Calgary Flames
1: talk. And there's one guy I really want to talk about in particular. He's actually not a member of the Calgary Flames anymore. He was traded at the trade deadline to the Florida Panthers for essentially a return of two second round picks, which I'm not going to lie, I think is absolute, absolute thievery by a for Living on this trade. But since this player has arrived in Florida, it's gone well for him. For anybody out there, they know I'm talking about Sam Bennett. And I'm going to, you know, I was just getting upset with people on Calgary Flames Twitter about, you know, be better. Well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to kind of not take my own advice here. And I'm going to talk about Sam Bennett. There's a lot of love for him where everybody's like, good on him. Good on him. Way to go, Sam. You you never got the opportunity in Calgary. And I'm going to say that's a bunch of bullshit. Sam Bennett was given tons of opportunity in Calgary. He was here for what, five, six seasons. He played with the best players at times. He played with Goudreau. He played with Monahan. He played with Backlund. He played with Kachuk. I'm sorry, who else, who else can he play with on this team? Sam Bennett didn't care to give an effort in Calgary. Sam Bennett wanted out. The people who think Sam Bennett is now the greatest human being ever because he's having success, I don't like it. Sam Bennett was a bust here, and Sam Bennett didn't care. And his effort on the ice was atrocious and I'm glad he's gone, but I'm also very disappointed. He's having success in Florida because why didn't he do that here? I get, I guess the fit doesn't work. Sure. I'll give him that, but we had never saw that effort out of Sam Bennett, except for maybe a few playoff games here and there. I'm very disappointed. And I'm I'm disappointed in the Calgary flames that it came to Sam Bennett having to leave this organization to have a little bit of success, but I'm going to flat out say right now, this isn't going to continue in Florida. Sam Bennett had a great start in his Calgary career. It's going to tail off. They're going to re-sign him to this cushy contract possibly, or someone else is going to be fooled by these 20 games and sign him to a, a cushy contract it's not going to last. I've seen enough of Sam Bennett, the player to know once he gets paid, it's not going to tail off or if something starts to not go well, it's going to tail off Jake for 10 and same thing in Vancouver. To me, there's a ton of parallels between these two players and I'm not, I'm not ill wishing on Sam Bennett. I just, from what I've seen the last few years, I don't think it's going to continue. And I'm highly, highly disappointed that it took leaving Calgary for this to happen, for him to finally play like a fifth overall pick, highly disappointed in Sam Bennett.
0: Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my Canucks hat off for a second. I'll put on my NHL hat <laughs> uh, to, to to you know follow suit. We always talk about the issues that kind of surround the Calgary Flames and these guys that are supposed to be the problems. And it's so it's this guy, it's Dougie Hamilton, it's James Neal, it's Sam Bennett. They go and they do well, maybe not James Neal as much, but um, they do well, but the, the Calgary Flames still kind of go status quo. So maybe it was the, the the fit in Calgary. I doubt it. I'm going to put my Canucks hat on and say it is, it, I'm not surprised. I've seen it before where you get a player that the fans love. For whatever reason, they, they cling on to him. I go, I'll take it back several years to uh, Michael Grabner because he yep. was a Canuck draft pick. He was a Canuck prospect. He came up to the club at a time where he was going to only fit in the third or fourth line because the guys ahead of him were way too further ahead. In the, like, they were so much further in their development and stars. You're not going to get past the Kessler, a Burroughs, the Sedins, or the other guys they had at the time. So the Canucks made a move and he got sent to Florida. Well, Florida then put him on waivers because they had to, and the Islanders picked him up, and he, he scored 40 goals. And Canuck Nation went off about, how could you have let that walk? How could you do it? Oh, you gave up on him too early. No, the Canucks realized the fit for Michael Gravner at the time was not correct. They made a move, and you know what? It worked out for them. They did the same with Jared McCann. Everyone's up in arms because this year Jared McCann is a potentially going to be a 30-goal scorer. He never showed that in Vancouver. And the Canucks made a move. And now, years later, Jared McCann is that player. Sam Bennett, Jake Vertanen were probably given the longest leashes I've ever seen. Yes. These guys were given free reign to develop at their own pace. So they could choose your own adventure for them, right? (laughs) Like, go to page 27 if you want to score 20 goals, go to page 17 if you want to go back to scoring five and being scratched every other night. On the regular. Uh, I don't get it. I get part of what the hesitation is from the Flames and the Canucks, you know, want to trade in these guys because they they were. Jake was a first round sixth overall pick. Right. So he was right there on the same area as Bennett. If you give up on those guys, it looks like you, you made a mistake. And they don't want to admit that yeah. but they're admitting that my mistake by continuously scratching them and accepting four goals in 35 games this season, a minus four and zero assists in Jake for Tannen. Like he had 36 penalty minutes. It, you got to cut bait at some point in time and just say, you know what? It didn't work. But again, it, it's difficult because for whatever reason, These guys like Jake Vertanen and Sam Bennett have such a following and people love them and people want to just be there and see them succeed and they get so invested in them that it it just, I don't know if it's a team's worried about losing fans or whatever it is, but no, it, it happens so often that these guys like a Bennett or Vertanen get traded and they go to their new team and it works out great for a season or a half and then it goes back to what it was. So you don't know what's going to happen. Like everyone was kind of, there were some that were upset that Adam Gaudette got traded from the Canucks to the Blackhawks. Well, he made his debut for the Blackhawks on Monday night and it was a healthy scratch on Wednesday. So I don't know. What's it really that big of a stretch and saying Adam Gaudette maybe wasn't ready. The Blackhawks have the current 2% chance of making the playoffs. So it's not like, you know, they got guys in the lineup that are going to help them with that push. So it's tough. Like, I, I think I'm, I'm one that Jake Furtan, and, and this isn't, you know, we kind of go that whole be better thing, but I'm not saying he should never play in the NHL again. I just, I think his time on the Canucks is done. And maybe if yeah. I start, we'll do better for him.
1: I think you're right on that. And, then, and I look at the, the Sam Bennett tenure in Calgary and yes, it needed to end. It 100% needed to end. And I do hope Sam Bennett has a successful NHL career. I'm just disappointed that I had to watch the Sam Bennett, that obviously didn't give two shits for the longest time, and wasn't a difference maker. You know, played to a minus sixty in his career, got healthy scratch numerous times this season. The fit wasn't there, and it's obvious. And I got to put some of that back on Calgary Flames management, coaches, the the culture in the dressing room, because. You brought up a really good point about the Calgary Flames. We seem to always jettison out the right guy who was a problem in the dressing room, yet the problem persists. So I'm not saying Sam Bennett was a problem in the dressing room. From all things, he he actually sounded like he was a really good teammate. And there was some, you know, on Calgary Flames Instagram, Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau actually had very heartfelt words for Sam Bennett. On that end of things, I really want it to work out for Sam Bennett, and I'm disappointed it didn't work out here. But I'm also really disappointed as a Calgary Flames fan, what I had to watch out of Sam Bennett, particularly the last three seasons. He was an AHL player, maybe fourth line player at best, and that, that's really hard at the highest pick in NHL or in team history, fourth overall, to kind of come to this like realization that, wow, this guy is just not going to work here. I, Really, really, really hard to come to terms with it. I may be bitter at the fact that he's having success because it's not happening here. I'll be the first one to admit it. Maybe I'm just bitter. Maybe I'm bitter at Flames management that it had to come to this. Maybe I'm bitter at the coaching staff. They couldn't develop him, but I'm not convinced this is going to continue for Sam Bennett. And I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he has a great NHL career. I hope it's in the Eastern Conference. I only have to see him, you know, a couple times a season if that's the case. But, you know, it's hard to come to terms with this. And, you know, best on you, Sam Bennett. I I hope you do have success. But I'm also very disappointed in what I saw here.
0: Yeah. You kind of mentioned the, you know, the guys leaving the problem guys. And there's been a lot of talk at the core for the Flames on, you know, Flames Twitter. Because I, I do follow a lot of people. and this is my personal opinion, if you want to have a new core and a new outlook for the Flames, and I've said it to you before, you got to dig up the foundation of that team and start over. It can't be moving a Bennett or possibly Monaghan or a Goudreau or a, you know, Geo. It can't be one. It can't be one. You're not building a new foundation of a core by removing one player. I think you got to knock it down to the you know, you got to clear the lot. You got to start building your house from scratch again. And whether that's you take Elias Lindholm and, and he and Markstrom and build from there and maybe Vallamaki, but you got to start fresh. The, the, if you keep any of this mystical negativity around, which no one seems to be able to find right now, it's not going to work. It's going to be the same product over and over again.
1: Dan Riccio mentioned it last week and, and he's an outsider looking in. You know, from enemy territory. So, you know, he actually, I, I valued what he said a lot when he was talking about the Calgary Flames. And he flat out said, Goudreau and Monaghan are not the the solution in Calgary. And I think one of them could be, and I, I think Johnny Goudreau, you can have a successful team with Johnny Goudreau on it. But like he said, if your team is featuring Johnny Goudreau as your number one option and Sean Monaghan, well, you're just never going to succeed. And you know what? He's right. This team isn't going to succeed with those guys being the featured players and we've seen it play out time and time and time again. And I'm, I'm not on the trade Johnny Goudreau train though. If they did, I completely would understand why, but I am on the trade Sean Monahan trade train. I don't know what you're going to get for him. I'm starting to get on the, you know, you might have to trade Michael Backlund. You might have to trade Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanov, like the guy's been an absolute rock, but are these guys long-term solutions? I don't know. And I kind of agree with you. It's not one trade. It's multiple trades because, and who knows how the rest of the season's going to play out. Maybe they're going to go on this run and miraculously get in the playoffs and losing five games like always. Sure. If that happens, then it's even more evident that this team you know has to be blown up to me this entire season whether they get to the playoffs or not has proven one thing significant changes have to happen yes. and i think number one is sean monahan he's not a number one center he's not a six million dollar player michael backland is a good player i don't know that he's a five and a half million dollar player he is a good player but you know diminishing skills. Mark Giordano, diminishing skills. There's some major problems here. We could have an entire episode on on what I think needs to happen in Calgary. And you know what I think we probably should at some point.
0: Yeah. One quick question is and we can expand on it later, though. I mean, I'm not Team Francis where you just trade him to trade him on Johnny Goudreau. But I'm looking at it this way. He's got one more year after this season with a limited no trade. Right now, team has total control over a return. Yep. The question is not this off season, but next off season or during the season, can you extend Johnny Goudreau? And if you don't believe you can, which I don't think you can,
1: I I think think he's looking,
0: I think he's looking East. I think, you know, he may not say it, but if the team is continuing this way, you know, would he not want to maybe take a shot a little bit closer home? Right do you look at trading them because you're unsure if you can re-sign them? Because it's a you, big risk.
1: I think you have to explore that option at this point, but you can't just make a trade for the sake of making a trade. No. Like you can't trade Johnny Goudreau to the New Jersey Devils for a first round pick. You just can't do that. Like you got to trade, you have to make a trade to at least try to get NHL talent back in return. You've got Sutter for two more years after this, and there's no way he's going to be on a rebuilding team. So you can't make a trade for the sake of it, but I 100% agree. You definitely have to look at the option because I would put it at 60, 40, maybe he comes back 50, 50, maybe he resigns here. I'm not that optimistic that he will, but I also think there's a chance that he will. Like he has roots here. He met his wife here or his soon to be wife or like he has roots here. So I don't think it, it's completely out of the realm of possibility, but I don't know that you can win, as as Dan Riccio said, with Johnny G- Goudreau being your feature player. I don't know that you can. So, you know, I've been somewhat impressed with the lie of Goudreau playing with Lindholm and Kachak, even though, you know, Kachak is its, its own other story in Entity right now that that line has at least looked like a somewhat legit top line in the NHL. So I wouldn't mind if we came back featuring a top line next year that had that. And, and could you have a little more success, but I'm with you. I think there needs to be some significant changes and I I honestly think there will be.
0: Yeah. I think, I think there needs to be because you're going to have to pay Johnny Goudreau. Right. I don't think he's going to take, was he 6 million right now? Yeah, I think he's
1: probably an $8 million player right. on the open market.
0: What's Matthew coming up with his uh, deal, Ugh. right?
1: Well, he, his qualifying offer after next year is $9 million. So you, to me, that's a, that's a red flag based on what we've seen this year.
0: So it's, there's decisions I, I'm to be worried.
1: Made. I'm legit worried about that Matthew Kachuk contract. Yeah. And is it's one of those. I would not be surprised to see the headline. Matthew Kachuk. Kachuk accepts his qualifying offer. <laughs> yeah.
0: You think uh, you, it, there's a lot of questions coming up and I don't know that 50, 50, 60, 40 is on chances coming at Goudreau is going to resign is good enough to not explore that option.
1: Oh, neither do I. I so, think you need to explore it.
0: I think you do. And I think it, you may take a loss, but it has to be a hockey trade. It can't yeah. just be uh just because, and I think you got to look at it because you got if if Kachuk is your future, you're paying a minimum nine million dollars for yeah. a long time, and that's a huge contract. So it's going to be interesting what's going to happen with all this.
1: Yeah, could you get one of the the younger guys out of the Rangers maybe for a guy like Goudreau because uh, they they love their star power. So you know, I I've always looked at the Rangers, the Devils, the Flyers, the Bruins. I like. I could see the Boston Bruins being all in on a guy like Johnny Goudreau because they make everybody better. So the
0: Bruins are gonna throw 12 million at Taylor Hall and turn him into a superstar again. Wait. <laughs> again, I should take remove the again. Uh, well, we'd love to hear
1: from you guys on Twitter. I'm at the bleachercon one, not at the bleachercon two. Ken is at the Bleachercon two. Uh Flames Nation, Canucks Nation. Absolutely want to hear from you guys. I know any of you guys listening might not be happy with my take on Sam Bennett. So let me have it. Let me hear from you. All
0: right. We definitely want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. Uh, we got some more things planned out for you in the near future coming here. So we're, uh, we're excited. Definitely hit us up. Let us know what you want us to talk about or potential people you want to hear from on here. Uh, we're, we're putting in the work to try and get as many guests as we can and, and provide everyone the, the best content we can. So appreciate you tuning in this week. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, everyone.